exploring the intersection of government and artificial intelligence. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Alex Gladstein, Chief Strategy Officer for the Human Rights Foundation. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me on again, Tanya. So absolutely, welcome back. Um, just as a refresher, what's the mission of the Human Rights Foundation, and how do you go about accomplishing your mission? The mission of the Human Rights Foundation is to help promote human rights and personal freedoms in authoritarian societies. People who live in places like China, North Korea, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, have basically a special set of circumstances where they can't start a nonprofit locally. They can't write an op-ed in the local newspaper. They can't sue their government. They can't exercise these freedoms and liberties that many of us take for granted because the government will respond viciously with violence, with persecution, with alienation. So what the Human Rights Foundation does is try to affect change in these societies by empowering social entrepreneurs, dissidents, activists, investigative journalists, and give them the tools that they need to make a bigger difference and make their societies hopefully more open and free and prosperous. So that's done with, for example, uh, technical tools, it's done with marketing and media advice. It's done with storytelling um, perspectives. It's done by giving them access to people who can help them teach uh, how to build a better movement or how to do better fundraising. And at the end of the day, it's also about building a worldwide community of people who are there, who are in solidarity with these people who are behind these modern day iron curtains, these sort of information curtains. You've taken a special interest in the relationship between governments and artificial intelligence. Why is that? Well, I think at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is a bit of a misnomer. For us in the human rights field, I think we need to look at two kinds of artificial intelligence. And what I mean by that is sort of specific big data analysis where an algorithm uh, or a machine will do one particular task really well, right? We're nowhere near general intelligence in AI, but we are in an area where automation will end up taking up vast portions of the economy. We'll put a lot of people uh, out of jobs, but into other jobs, and we'll also allow governments to do things with large amounts of data that they haven't been able to do before, right? So when I'm thinking about AI, I'm thinking about two things, automation, which is sort of less of a human rights, civil liberties uh, issue, more of like a, that's more of an issue of people talking about the future of work and domestic economy, jobs, et cetera. I'm more interested in what big data analysis allows governments to do with our information, right? So, whereas before, uh, if we have this sea of data about each person, about millions and millions of people, it's relatively difficult to do like behavior modeling and, and to recognize patterns and to track people uh, if you just have this endless amount of data. Now, with the advent of digital platforms and personal computers and databases and, and obviously the innovations we've had in the last few decades, we can now start to track and uh, you know, have the ability to store all this data, right, where we didn't before in a digital way. And now with the advent of like what we would call like big data analysis, uh, companies and governments are able to more easily sift through that data to not just locate it uh, more easily from like a like let's say a, somebody at a library's point of view of trying to find data pieces. We're not, we're not just talking about locating your data, we're talking about putting your data alongside everybody else's data in a context where a, 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 an algorithm can, can spot trends and behaviors and can start to understand more about you than you may understand about yourself, right? So 
what we're seeing the largest government in the world do in China is start to like basically accumulate all of this micro personal data about people through applications like WeChat, for example, which is a messenger app that does everything under the sun on your phone in one application that more than a billion people use every day. And the government has access to an understanding of like what you're buying, what you're saying, you know, what kind of messages you're trading, where's your location, what is your health habits. They understand all these things and they can start to shape you, right? So when I'm talking about artificial intelligence in the hands of governments, I'm talking kind of specifically about how, uh, especially authoritarian regimes, but also democratic ones, will use big data analysis uh, to, to, to sort of micro-surveil and control us. What expectations uh, should the average person have when being able to move freely around the, the public? I mean, should we expect to have any sort of privacy? I think we should. I mean, look, when you think about something like public transportation, which is run by a municipal government typically, right? Uh, usually with private partners. Um, when, when you pass through something like a subway, you start to give up some of your privacy. So if you think about in, in New York City, you have a Metro card or in London, you have an Oyster card. So these things are surveillance mechanisms in, in a certain way, meaning the company who's looking at all the different activity, they can kind of see where everybody's going, right? Um, so we have to think carefully about how are, how's our data and our personal information and profiles connected to these devices and connected to how we navigate through cities, for instance. So in this one specific example uh, of using, let's say, public transportation, my ability to move freely to me means my ability to move around the city without some company or government knowing exactly what I'm doing. If they know exactly what I'm doing, I'm no longer free, right? Because they can stop me, they can predict what I'm gonna do. So I think it's very important that civil libertarians and human rights groups um, and people who are advocates of you know, fr freedom of data, freedom of information, they band together to put pressure on companies and governments to prevent this sort of all-seeing surveillance state. And it, it totally starts in places as innocuous as public transportation. Some complain about how the tech industry is too influential in establishing guardrails for AI. How do we go about training the regulators to ask the right questions and properly evaluate policy recommendations so they can execute their public service responsibilities the right way? Yeah, look, I think there's a lot to be said for the, the people who are creating these algorithms, right? I think there's a lot to be said for number one, for diversity. So people should be brought together from different parts of the world. So to give you an example, Facebook was, you know, running algorithms in, in, in Burma and they didn't have anyone from Burma making the algorithms. So this is sort of like, right, like digital colonialism or whatever. So it's probably smart to have people from each region or from each subset uh, area, you know, be involved in those decisions. That's probably a smart way of doing things. So I'd like to see more uh, diversity behind the creation of different protocols and programs and technology platforms. So that's probably like number one. Um, number two would just be openness and transparency, meaning the, the ways through which these governments and companies do big data analysis, the way that they build the algorithms should be sort of open source, meaning like everybody should be able to see what they're doing. Um, I don't really think it's going to be healthy if they're doing everything behind completely closed doors. Obviously, 
look, I believe in private property and in entrepreneurship and that companies have to have trade secrets. But at the end of the day, when it comes to building out this new architecture uh, of, of conceivably tracking the population in a general sense, certain companies should be uh, upheld to a different standard, in my opinion. And, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to bad behavior, we always say sunlight is the best disinfectant. So um, I think diversity and transparency would be two, two things that would be really good when we're looking at, like, how are we building these new big, big data algorithms? How are tech companies supposed to build robust, bias-free data sets if they aren't allowed to sample millions of data points? Well, first of all, I, I think anyone claiming that, that something's going to be bias-free is, is uh, exaggerating. There's always going to be bias in, in everything that we do. Um, but at the end of the day, what the innovation that could actually make this work for both sides, meaning the, the consumer side, the individual side, and the corporation side, would be something like zero-knowledge cryptography, where the users could disclose what they'd like to disclose to companies, could sell what they'd like to sell to companies, and have control and awareness and over that, right? So right now, you know, I'm just sort of walking around with my Apple Watch and my data in terms of where I'm walking and where I'm going, what payments I'm making, what messages I'm sending, that's just sort of freely flowing off my watch into God knows what sort of cloud database people are using that to make money and, and, to, and to sell things. And I have no control over that. There, there could be an alternate reality made possible by new technology where, you know, I'd get to sort of control uh, my information and disclose it selectively. So if we're to look at this area of, let's say, zero knowledge cryptography is, is kind of one of the key uh, innovations in this area, and pour a lot of resources and investment into that area, maybe we can see a day where both the companies and governments and scientists have what they need to pull from like lots of medical data from a lot of people without violating our privacy. That would be like both sides getting what they want. Alex Gladstein, Chief Strategy Officer of the Human Rights Foundation. There's so much to cover. And thanks for doing this hard work. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about that work. How can they do that? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Gladstein. Uh, they can shoot me an email at alex at hrf.org. Um, or they can find me uh, at conferences and events uh, in, around the country. Sounds good. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching. Thanks for having me on.